word began to spread, television crews became came on site and they started doing interviews with Heather and I. So we were showing pictures of them, pictures of their vehicle, and we're it, it's mm-hmm. like what kind of nightmare am I, I in right now? I was about to right say now? this yeah. is like you're like, is this real? Am yeah. I really on TV right now talking about my missing husbands? Exactly. The evening came and television crews were still with us and live mm-hmm. um, on the evening news. They were in the middle of interviewing us. Um, and in the middle of the interview, my phone rings. Welcome to The Brave Place, where we journey into the lives of brave men and women who have beat the odds or who are in the trenches right now. Difference makers who have truly discovered the warrior that lives within and are living it out. This is the place that will inspire, encourage, enlighten, and challenge that brave person that lives deep down within all of us. Welcome back to The Brave Place. I'm your host, Christy Rodriguez, and I'm here with Holly Snell and Heather Gillian. Hey, ladies. Hi. Hello, Christy. <laughs> we have quite a treat for you today because these two have quite a story. I don't think I've ever heard a story like this. And mm. now God is using what seems so devastating and tragic and has turned it into a beautiful story. And yeah. in fact, you you both, you wrote a book, Sisters, mm-hmm. um, called Dancing on My Ashes. And so we're going to dive into this. So Heather, just give us a little bit of background of you and your family, and we'll just dive in. Okay. Um, well, we grew up in Jefferson City, Missouri, and we are sisters, but there's, there's six of us. So it's Holly, Heather, Heidi, Heath, Hannah, and Hunter. A lot of H's. Yeah. A lot of H's. Our parents (laughs) loved each other a lot. We like to say. (laughs) And, um, but we grew up in a, you know, a pastor's home. We grew up knowing about God and he was a part of our lives. And we experienced just hardship early on in our lives where we watched our dad go through some health problems. Mm -hmm. And I mean, he was in multiple times in and Mm -hmm. out and near death. It was crazy. He contracted the HIV virus through a blood transfusion. He has some serious health conditions, as Heather mentioned, and he, he required more blood. And so and this is before they were really testing for HIV, and but it was also brand new on the scene in the United States. And so when they discovered uh, the HIV virus in his body, that's when they started testing for it and realized he likely received that from mm. a blood transfusion. But truly, I mean, the Lord, we all, I mean, it was devastating news. Yeah. It felt like a death sentence mm-hmm. for sure. Our dad, he would testify that he felt like the Lord really spoke to him one night Um, in the hospital bed and was just said, I'm going to heal your body. In fact, I've healed your blood. Now tell the doctors to retest your blood. No kidding. And so sure enough, um, test after test after test began coming back negative, negative, negative. Mm -hmm. And then the doctors were trying to retract. Well, you must not have had it. And he's like, wait a minute. You said, um, once you have this, you'll always have this. And this is something you have to live with and will ultimately die from. But sure enough, and we saw, as Heather mentioned, we would pray and God absolutely did the miraculous. We do believe that God is the healer. He was the healer back in the Old Testament. He's the healer now. And we have seen it. But the hard part for us in our early life stage, uh, we're both in high school um, during this time, it was the very beginning of setting up um, just an improper perspective of how God would operate when we would pray. He became genie in the bottle. It's like, okay, when we go through hard times, if we pray a certain way, do a certain thing, then God will ultimately do what we want him to do. Mm. 
And we learned later in years down the road, that's not how God operates. Even though he, he did meet our needs and there were times we were a large family. We didn't have a lot of extra. And I remember just even as a family, us gathering in the living room, praying for groceries because we were like, oh man, we're, we're having a hard time with finances right now. And we would pray and there would be groceries at our front door. So at the same time, we, we serve a God who, who does meet those needs and does show up and, and does sometimes do what we're asking him to do. Mm -hmm. I look back on that season of life and I'm, I'm so thankful that the Lord was so gracious and kind and mm-hmm. in, in showing up and meeting even those um, physical needs for That's us. Right. Yeah. It was, it was precious. And so not only is this journey with your dad difficult to the hospital, mm-hmm. right? But at home, personally, you guys have kind of had a tough journey with your dad. I mean, if, if we mm-hmm. want to get super real. Right. So tell me a little bit about that. For many people, especially who experience um, strokes <laughs> and things like that, it can somehow alter personality personalities a little bit. And that was certainly the case with our dad. And while we still knew his, his deep devotion and love for the Lord was evident and real. We also knew that he was frustrated. And when I think any of us know, even if, when we have a cold, yeah. we don't operate and act like ourselves. Right. We're getting, a little cranky. We get irritated. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, so this is compounded a thousand times with something very serious where he's been in the hospital for seven and a half months. He's trying to regain his strength. He can't eat, walk, talk like he used to. Mm-hmm. So he's really challenged on multiple levels. And so now he's home and he's getting frustrated. And so a lot of that frustration would boil over um, just simply because he didn't feel good. Mm-hmm. And so we would experience that. Mm-hmm. And so um, it was hard because to everyone else, they're seeing this man has been healed by mm-hmm. God. Yeah. And yet we know behind the scenes, emotionally, um, he's not healed. Like there's a lot of things happening mentally and emotionally that needs addressing mm-hmm. and, and he needed some help in those areas. And so we just didn't know what to do with that. Mm-hmm. And that was spilling out into your family. It's like, you're just walking on eggshells a little bit where you're, you want to help your dad, but you know, that he's just physically He's just not the same at the same time. Um, and I I think now as we've grown up and we've talked more with our mom, you know, it was it was really wearing on her because she was one, the breadwinner. And so she's got a job. She's the secretary at our church. And so she's doing that. And my dad can do only so much. Mm-hmm. And she's washing the the clothes and she's caring for the kids and she's doing all that she can do. But I think that it was probably wearing on her um, physically and emotionally, all those, all the things. And then at the same time, you know, maybe what we're, what led as far as like our, just our family, kind of some of the breakdown of our family, when you get weak and the enemy is still out there and he's still attacking and he's here, my dad has this testimony of, of God's um, miracle working power. And, and yet the enemy is out to destroy. Well, and, and with the story too, um, which adds another layer of, I know, pain and turmoil within your family, but your mom's going through this really vulnerable time. Um, she's taking care of all five kids. Um, and then you've got a husband who is up and down emotionally, right. And physically she's the breadwinner. There's so much pressure there. And, and I'm with you in the sense of that is when the enemy loves to take prey on us. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and in this situation, uh, I know it really had to have hit you ladies hard 
because um, in this moment in your mom's life, she succumbed to an affair. Mm -hmm. So simultaneous to my mom finding herself in an affair with a side note with a very, we now know a very manipulative uh, pastor. We learn later just of the years of how he would pray, not just on my mom, but on many women mm. in the congregation. And this is the pastor that your dad worked with, Correct. right? Okay. That's right. So simultaneous to all of that happening, as as my dad was in the hospital, I found myself in um, a relationship with a church leader and which led, um, who was much older than myself. Mm. It's a relationship that now looking back should never have taken place. And so I found myself um, in situations where I was being assaulted mm. and didn't know how to handle it. And even then I didn't understand what was happening. Mm -hmm. um, and so there was a lot of chaos that was happening basically and mm -hmm. how the enemy was attacking our family in different ways. And and it's not something that I typically do open up and share about, but it is now I see so much more a part of even where the Lord has me today, mm. which I can talk about that later. But there was a lot happening and we were all parts of us were unraveling during that time, even though there was still the bedrock of who do we call upon in times of distress? It was absolutely the Lord, mm -hmm. but it doesn't mean that we weren't being challenged and tested at every turn. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. And and you can just see how the enemy is just picking at each one of you, right? To attack you and your vulnerability. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's move forward to the other part of your journey. Um, so you both eventually go to college. So Holly, do you head to college first? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I went to Moody Bible Institute in Chicago, Illinois. And there, um, my first year in my freshman year, met uh, what I refer to as a hunk of a man. <laughs> he looked a little bit like Brad Pitt, um, truly. Um, and I was just drawn to him for so many reasons. When he came from a large family as well, he was the youngest of nine, where I was the oldest wow. of five at the time, eventually six. Um, but anyway, we had a lot to share about the differences of being raised in large families. He was from upstate New York. That was thrilling and exciting to me <laughs> um, because it was so opposite of what I'd been raised in kind of a suburban type of life. And so, so anyway, and he, he was just super steady in his walk with the Lord. And so even that also was very attractive to me because mm -hmm. when I, I would speak to him and share with him about different things I was struggling with or processing. He would always be quick to bring it back to Jesus. And so that light in him was just so appealing. And the Lord really used him to minister and begin to heal my heart from past failures, mistakes, and things that have happened to me. Mm. So it was, it was a beautiful thing, but yeah. So I just, one thing I do like to share when Heather and I have the opportunity to talk of our story. I still remember it was the very last day of school, my freshman year in college. And Scott, that was my boyfriend, soon to be husband at the time. We're talking on the phone and talking about dreams. And he, he asked me, well, you know, Holly, what would you like to do, you know, one day down the road? And so I began to share how I'd love to do some more Christian music. I'd been opening with, uh, for Christian artists in the Chicago area with oh, the band wow. that I was in. Okay. So I really enjoyed that. Um, leading worship was at the very beginning stages for me, but it was more performance at that time. And so I began to share some of that and he goes, ugh. 
It's like, well, that, that doesn't sound like it just did not appeal to him whatsoever. And so I was a little (laughs) taken back and a little upset about his response. And so I retorted back, well, what do you want to do, um, down the road? And so he just began to say, well, one day I'd like to start a Christian adventure camp for inner city and troubled teens, get them out of the city, get them into nature, experience God there. And what was my response? Ugh. Like, oh my goodness, there's no way I want to do that. Yeah. And so, but you still look like Brad Pitt. So I'll consider it. Yes. But you are super (laughs) hot. So maybe, just maybe. (laughs) So yeah. So fast forward um, to, we began to see the Lord begin to unravel this incredible story um, of what was to come. Mm -hmm. And I think during, during that season, when Holly was away to college, our parents reconciled and they were they were choosing, we're, we're going to work this through. That's we're going to, we're going to love one another. And it, it was up and down at times, but I, I mean, it was really beautiful to watch how God put forgiveness in my dad's heart. I mean, it was, it was hard because mm-hmm. not only was your wife betraying you, it's your, your pastor, your oh boss. yeah, you know, mm-hmm. your, your, yeah, your boss, the one that came to visit you in the hospital and all, all those things. I mean, it was, it was a, a very hard time in our family. We didn't know if they were going to survive the marriage, mm-hmm. but, um, the Lord really did bring healing and restoration and a joy back into their marriage. And, and you were there to, to witness that firsthand mm-hmm, front right. row seat. So Holly's away. Right. She's with Brad Pitt. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> A.K.A. Scott. That's right. And, and we're in the trenches over here. Right. And you're yeah. over here. She's yeah. over here in love uh, in yeah. the lovebird lane. Yeah. And you're at home, but yeah. you're also watching this yes. powerful story of God's redemption. Mm-hmm. So back to you, Holly. You all graduate college. Yep. We finished there and eventually um, made plans to get married. He wanted to live next door to his parents at, right on the farm, apple orchard laying. And um, it was right off of Lake Ontario. His family owned hundreds and hundreds of acres of apples. Oh my goodness. And so it really, it was a shock to my system uh-huh. at being there. And I always make jokes and it feels very real. And we were the modern day green acres couple. Like he was like <laughs> the pitchfork in hand, you know, dun, 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 dun. I mean, he was, you know, give me the plow. Let me do this. And I'm with my feather boy, like, give me park Avenue. Like, yeah. right. It's going oh, on. Like, yeah. This is hilarious. So we were there in a adjusting to married life. And uh, there was a particular time where we got a phone call in our marriage from a friend of ours who we met while we were in Chicago. And this gentleman was a former executive vice president for marketing for the entire McDonald's corporation. Oh my goodness. And so we met him while we were students at Moody and he asked us to come back to Chicago for a quick trip and just to hang out. Um, He would bless us with like taking us to the symphony and like having really cool experiences that we never, ever could have afforded on our own. Um, But there was one, one evening we're together and he we're at dinner and he leans over to my husband and he goes, Scott, if you could do anything, what's your biggest dream? What's your biggest dream? And so Scott, then all of a sudden begins to talk about that one conversation that we had that last day of school, my freshman year. So years have passed. Mm-hmm. We have never talked about this ever since that night on the phone. Wow. But I'm all of a sudden hearing him talk about a Christian adventure camp um, for inner city troubled teens. And I'm going, what on earth? But our friend, he leans forward to Scott and he just says, 
I want to make that dream a reality. No way. And sure enough, um, in the weeks and a couple months that followed, we found ourselves touring all different properties throughout the Adirondacks and the New England area looking for a property to start this, this camp. So our friend, after weeks of search, we found 220 acres north of Montpelier, Vermont. And anyway, the beginning of that dream was becoming a reality. And it was, it was like, pinch me. Is this for real? Yeah, that is unbelievable. Like to have a dream like that yeah. mm-hmm. in, in your early 20s, and then someone show up and say, hey, I'm going to make this happen yeah. for you. Yep. 220 acres. Yep. Wow. That's incredible. So this is happening yes. in New York. That's right. And then shifting over to Heather. Now mm-hmm. it's time for you to go to college. Right. And so then that's where you meet your yes. Brad Pitt. What's, what, who, would you, <laughs> who would you correlate oh, him to? Oh my goodness. We, I always said he looked like, um, what is that? Jake Gyllenhaal or Jake Gyllenhaal or Gyllenhaal. I don't ever know how to say his (laughs) name. Okay. So he had, he had features like him Okay, and brown hair, dark eyes, but I met him my sophomore year, I think. Uh And he was a year younger than me. And I remember we met and then it was just like, I didn't want another day to go by without seeing him he just he made me laugh he was a theater major mm-hmm. and but it also a biblical major at SBU and so i honestly i did not want to meet someone that wanted to be in the ministry i knew that life and i was like i want a different life i just knew how hard ministry life was mm-hmm. and so i had to overlook it because i i really liked him and i was hoping that maybe our paths would go in a different, kind of like you in a sense. So you're like, I like that dream kind of, sort of, but I want you to do something different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but I'll keep, yeah, that, but to I'll myself. keep that to myself. <laughs> but we, um, we did, we fell in love and I was just so thankful. So I just thought this is it. This is, this is my forever. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, I mean, we graduated and then two weeks later I was walking down the aisle and, um, my dad was there walking me down the aisle. And I just thought, you know, what a miracle that was in itself, that he was physically here, mm-hmm. able to walk me down the aisle. And, and I, your parents were together. They and, were and together. We, yeah. they, they had Hunter. Um, after, so they had so a new baby a after, new after baby. Mm-hmm. their reconciliation. Yes. Yeah. And so amazing. So yeah. you and your so man, James, his yes. name is James. Mm-hmm. And so you all get married. Yeah. We two get, weeks after graduating yes, college. Okay. Yes. And, and then you settle in, in Missouri mm-hmm. and he had a little bit of school left. And then his, his goal was to go off to seminary and, um, he wanted to be a pastor. And so we had between him graduating and, and, and before seminary started, we had a summer to kind of figure out what we wanted to do with it. And at that same time, Holly and her husband, Scott, were starting up this adventure camp in Vermont. Right. So before Heather and James joined us on the campground, um, we thought our friend who purchased the property and kind of made all the dreams happen, he said, hey, let's get your whole family up here before Mm. we kick everything off. And so let's get your mom and dad. So he paid for plane tickets, brought everyone up. And so our family came and our dad gets sick while they're there in Vermont. Well, 
honestly, we were just kind of like, oh, whatever. This always happens. He gets sick. He gets better. He gets sick. He gets better. We were just so used to that rhythm (laughs) that none of us were really thrown off by it. But he was in the hospital there um, in Vermont and things kind of kept getting a little more complicated and he demanded to be released from the hospital. He wanted to get back to Missouri um, to be with his doctors. And so I remember he couldn't even walk out. People were having to carry him and put him on a wheelchair, wheel him around. And so we get him back to Missouri and um, I actually flew back with him. And at that point I did have my first daughter with me during that time. So you and you and Scott, you're living in Vermont and you are trying to make this adventure camp happen. And in that period, you also have Emma, your daughter. That's right. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's right. And and now the whole family's come out to see the adventure camp. That's right. And then, okay, so here we are. So we fly back and dad continues to digress. And so we get him back into the hospital and that's when um, things seem to appear to be getting worse Mm. and worse. And Heather and I, we were uh, staying at our mom and dad's house during that time. And our mom had stayed the night at the hospital to be with our dad and the phone rang and Heather and I were in separate rooms, but we answered answered the phone at the same time. Yes, this is before cell phones. So we were actually <laughs> answering yeah. home the phones. Yeah. That's right. There's the a cord. cord on the phone. Yeah. Wow. So we both answer at the same time and it's our mom. And mm. she begins to share that dad had passed away that morning. And we were mm-hmm. stunned to mm-hmm. say the least. And that began to really rock our world. Mm-hmm. Like Holly was describing, it really did feel like We've seen these scenarios before. It felt familiar. God, God yeah. is going to heal him. Like we just, we had, we felt confident of that. So even when the doctors had called us in, um, he was in the ICU mm-hmm. and they were saying his body is shutting down. He's turning, is, is going septic. I always say like, we probably look like crazy people because they were telling us this horrible news, but we're like, you know, okay, we hear what you're saying, but we're going to go over here and pray. And you're going to be in awe of what God's going to do. <laughs> right. And so because you were so used to it. Right. right. Yeah. And, and, then, and they had, and he it had started with pneumonia. So we're thinking pneumonia. I mean, he's had HIV. Like there's yeah. no, ma- it doesn't even equal out. So of course God is going to do what we're asking him to do. It didn't, it didn't make sense any other way. And so when we did get that call that he had gone mm-hmm. home to be with the Lord, and Holly talks about like, it was so shocking to us because it's like, did we not pray for that miracle? Did I not believe that's, that's where you go to that checklist and you're like, but you said, you said, if we pray, if you said mm-hmm. we believe, we, didn't we do that? Didn't mm-hmm. we, when, didn't we ask for that? And I, I started really wrestling with God mm-hmm. in that moment because I, those two things didn't add up in my mind, mm-hmm. the goodness of God that didn't feel good. Um, his faithfulness, that didn't feel like he was being faithful in that time. He has the power to heal and you choose not to heal. And even I, I was in a, like in a car ride, kind of like arguing with the Lord internally. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember saying, we prayed for healing. And the Lord's like, I healed him. Right. Mm. Ultimately. <laughs> and then I was like, no, but that's not what I meant. We wanted him home. He is home. That was the response I got. Mm-hmm. And you can't argue with that. That was the truth. That was yeah. ultimately he did heal him mm-hmm. and it wasn't how we wanted. So, so I'm going to be mad. You know, that was my choice in the matter. I'm going to be mad, but I, 
I know Christianese. I've been to church. I know the right things to say. And the sweet people that are saying them to me, they all mean well, but internally, I am so mad at God. I'm so mad that he, in all his power, chose not to, in that moment, heal him. That felt like he did us wrong. Mm-hmm. And you know, then you look back at your story and you look back at my dad's story and it's like, why heal him all these other times, Lord? Mm-hmm. It didn't make sense to me. Um, but at the same time, the Lord's goodness was chasing after me. That's right. You know, and his goodness, he was longing to love me and comfort me in those unanswered questions that I had. But yet the human side of me was like, no, I'm not going to let you come near me. No, I don't want your comfort. I want to be mad. I want to be stuck here. And it's just, it's, it's odd now looking back because I have experienced healing from that. But in that season, man, I was so blind by my own, you know, rage and and hurt and pain. But um, I'm so thankful for a God that is so relentless with us. He doesn't leave us alone. Mm-hmm. So um, mm-hmm. that's kind of where I was. Yeah. And so here we are now getting ready to kick off the first summer, the summer of 2000. Of the adventure camp. Of the adventure mm-hmm. camp. Your dad's just passed away. Our dad has passed away. Yeah. And so I'm feeling completely disconnected from my family. And I desperately wish I could be with them. But here we've got Mm -hmm. this monumental task in front of us. Mm -hmm. And so Scott and I were needing a few more camp counselors and people to help us. Um, And so we both thought this would be great if James and Heather could join us for this summer. And then that would also be so good for my heart and for Heather's heart. We can be together. We can grieve our dad. She can spend time with my daughter and just we can be together and Mm -hmm. just kind of hopefully begin to heal together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so Heather and James, they come up to join us and uh, we're going through the summer. And even though we're working (laughs) like crazy and there's so much to do, but we saw just the fruit already of what the Lord was doing. And it was exciting, Mm -hmm. exhausting and exciting. Mm -hmm. Um, But the Lord, he was at work for sure. Your husbands are like working on this massive acreage, like building campsite, like, Um, cabins, I'm sure everything that a camp would encompass. And then, and then you both are kind of probably helping them right alongside them, doing whatever they need. I was the camp cook, Christy. You were the camp cook. Okay. And And mama. That's that's scary. Yeah. (laughs) And I, and I was not outdoorsy. So I'm like, I'm really trying here to like, (laughs) not only just do what needs to be done, but I'm also, you know, you're grieving, but then I'm also like, what the heck am I doing? Like Mm -hmm. there's bugs everywhere. You know, like I just, I'm I'm (laughs) struggling else, but she didn't know how to use them. No, I did not. I did not. James and Scott, they work pretty well together. I'm I'm assuming. And so they're making this thing happen. Long hours, yes, long days. And so then take us to what happens next. And which is a big part of the story. It is. So um, in the middle of the summer, we had a group there. And so like many adventure camps, each day is a different adventure element. So there would be camping and uh, biking and ropes course elements, um, canoeing, all those types of things. So we had a day coming up where we were going to take the kids canoeing, which we had done previously with other groups. So this was not unfamiliar. Both Scott and James had certification training for all those types of things. So they weren't not qualified to do this. And so they were well experienced. So anyway, they, um, they're going to go scout out a canoe route for the group that we had. They were going to take them the next day. And so 
um, Scott and James leave together around lunchtime and they were supposed to be back around dinner time. Uh, so dinner time comes and there's no Scott and no James. I'm like, wow, what do we do? We just lost our kind of teacher and our worship leader because James did the worship and Scott did the teaching in our evening services. So we're like, okay, what do we do? Well, we'll just kind of makeshift some type of service until they get back. We got through the service. I We pulled the team together and it's like, hey, I'm sure they'll be back sometime in the middle of the night or at least at first light. Maybe they can't see their way out of the woods of wherever they are. We didn't have the cute little cell phones that we do now. Mm -hmm. So there was no calling or texting them to check on them. And so, um, and then right before bed, I remember it's like, oh, I guess maybe I'll just call and see if any accidents have, have been reported in our area matching their description and none had. So we go to bed, uh, that night and I like a hundred percent, uh, thought that I would wake up in the morning with a kiss on my cheek and some fantastic story of what they encountered through the night. And so morning time came, but I was not greeted with a kiss and Heather, she was upstairs sleeping in her room and she comes run. I could hear her coming down the wood steps and she's like, where are they? And I'm like, man, yeah. I don't, I don't know where they are. We were both shocked. And so we began to make some phone calls. We reported them missing. And I called the church where Scott was also serving as the youth pastor during that time. So I called the church and said, Hey, we don't know where these boys are. Can you all just be praying? So so many of the church members actually took off work when they discovered it. And everyone just started walking up and down different uh, rivers all throughout the New England area. So both in Vermont and New Hampshire, because mm. that area is so close, closely knit. And so people are looking for them. My little living room became search and rescue mm -hmm. headquarters. We had little card tables out. We had maps. We were highlighting areas where people had already been walking, looking for them just all day. This search went on. Um, and then word began to spread. Television crews became, came on site and they started doing interviews with Heather and I. So we were showing pictures of them, pictures of their vehicle. And we're it, it's mm -hmm. like, what kind of nightmare am I, I in right now? I was about to right say, yeah. this is like, you're like, is this real? Am yeah. I really on it, TV right now talking about my missing husbands? Exactly. Like, it, and you're in denial of like what could happen because you're just like, they have to be, they they just need help. They're somewhere right. that yeah. they need help. They broke their leg or something. Like, that's what was playing in my head. Mm -hmm. Um, but anyway, as, uh, the evening came and television crews were still with us and live, mm -hmm. um, on the evening news, they were in the middle of interviewing us. Um, and in the middle of the interview, my phone rings. And so I pick it up and it's a local sheriff. And the only words I remember him saying was, I'm so sorry, but their bodies have been found floating in a river. I just remember I'm hearing this. I'm looking up at my sister across from me. I'm looking at Heather. Because I'm hanging on her every, right. Because we're know, facial thinking expression. Thinking they're found. Right. Mm -hmm. I look up at her. I tell him, and I just say, they're gone. And she darts out of the house in one direction. And of course, camera lights are on. I mean, I'm just, I can't, mm -hmm. I can't even imagine what, as people are watching this, is seeing this in real time, the lights go out when they realized um, we just got the worst news of our lives. Mm -hmm. So Heather goes running in one direction and then I went out a different door and I ran in another direction and to the point where I am in the wet grass. It had been raining a little bit that day. I just threw myself in the grass and I wept and I wept and there was like, what 
on earth are you doing, God? Mm-hmm. And it was, I don't understand. I don't like this. It was just lots of mm-hmm. like, I can't even make sense of this. Because in this moment, I'm thinking, my husband just died. And then my daughter now doesn't have a father. Church doesn't have a youth pastor. The youngest of nine in his family, like all these siblings, they've lost their youngest brother. I'm just like, it just began to hit me in ways, the ways of loss that this is going to impact. And, and there's like, my, my dad is gone. Scott is gone. And the Lord just quieted me um, in that moment, in that grass. And I remember even my sister-in-law was next to me on her knees and we were both crying and praying together. But in that moment, I remember kind of lifting up my head as I'm weeping. And then I just remember in my heart, the most incredible, incredible supernatural moment began to happen where it's like the presence of God just came and just covered me like a blanket, like the comfort of, of our God. Mm. And as I felt his comfort in my heart, I just began to anchor myself. It's like, none of this stuff makes sense, but here's what does make sense. So I became kind of like preaching to yourself. That's Mm -hmm. what I started to do in that moment. I'm like, Lord, I don't like this, but here's what I do know. You are good. This doesn't feel good, but you are good and you are kind. I still, when I think about those words, mm-hmm. how on earth could I say something like that to the Lord in that moment? Yeah. But I knew the Lord, his kindness is limitless mm-hmm. despite our pain. And so just, again, it was mm-hmm. not because of the good that was in me in that moment. It was just the Holy Spirit bringing me comfort and reminding myself, anchor yourself to who I am. And mm-hmm. I just, so I just began to do that as mm-hmm. preaching to my heart, like remember who he is mm-hmm. in the midst of this pain, anchor yourself to who he is. And I just began to worship the Lord, mm. worshiping him. And I remember I could hear worship coming from the barn, from the youth group that was there. And I was drawn to it like a magnet. And so I remember I could hear them singing. I could sing of your love forever. And I just remember walking up into it and literally sat in the middle. They were in a big circle and I just sat in the middle and just threw my hands up, wept and worshiped with them. Wow. And they, they have no idea in that moment what's they, going on with they, you. They had just found out because okay. word started spreading like okay. wildfire, mm-hmm. but that was how they began to cope too. Yeah. It's like, okay, let's, let's worship. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and it just, I know you, you both went into different directions, but just the fact that you went towards and you didn't know you went to where worship music mm-hmm. you know like your your heart is worshiping and then you just it's such a need mm-hmm. and it's almost like god went before you there too right or he had a group of people mm-hmm. worshiping for you just to go to that's amazing and and just that whole scene is just incredibly powerful to mm-hmm. me worshiping god in the midst of the greatest mm-hmm. tragedy yeah. in your life yeah you know yeah. and then heather you you're in another direction. Yes. Are you alone? I am. Mm-hmm. And we we joke too, because it's like here, you know, my sister's worshiping in the grass, which obviously that's, um, it was a supernatural moment. I was, I was on the other side of things where I had been in such a dark place with the Lord that even with your dad, well, yeah, with my dad. And so when the boys went missing with our hut, when our husbands went missing, there was so much anger 
-hmm. even in that Mm -hmm. for me, that all I could pray, all I could utter to God was, don't you dare. Mm. That was where I was. And so then my greatest fear is, is realized I'm getting this news from her. They're gone. And there were no tears. It was pure rage for me. I was so angry towards God. And I remember thinking, I am going to have it out with him. And I went on this walk on this campground and I could hear the wailing begin to happen at the camp because there, you know, the word was spreading like we were talking about. And I was, I was ready to be done with him because I thought there's no way, there's no way I'm going to serve you if this is the way that you show your love to me like that does that I'm done and so I had to walk for a while to find just like quiet you know it's funny when you say you know you're ready to have it out with God because he is all about that (laughs) and he was he was like I I am so ready to have it out with you I've been wanting to I've been wanting you to come he doesn't care if we come angry he just wants us to come and for me, as I stood on that hillside, I knew he was there to meet with me. Mm-hmm. I knew I had the audience of uh, this creator of the universe. And here is little old me. Lord, you don't make sense. Nothing about this makes sense. Here's two guys that loved you. They were giving their lives for you. That were on board with your mission. Why not in one moment save them from the waters? Why allow that to happen? In those kind of moments, we do, we throw out our whys. And as I stood there so angry, so frustrated with him, I couldn't deny that he was there. He was there listening. Like you felt his presence. I felt, I felt his heart for mm-hmm. me. Mm. And I don't think it was audible. It might've been, but I, I felt it so clear in my heart that the Lord said, Heather, I know you don't understand, but I do love you. Mm. And for me, I, that was, that was so big. I think in that moment, when we have that kind of crossroad moment with God, am I going to trust that he does love me? Even when my world is ashes, are you going to trust that? It's almost like I could physically see this, these two pathways. I'm going to choose right now, which direction I'm going to go. I can either run as hard and as fast as I possibly can away from God. And I could look down that road. It's like I could physically almost see my path. And it was more of the same. It was more bitterness, more depression, more anger. And ultimately, it, I could see my grave too. Mm. I, would, I would die on that road. Or there's this other path. Do I run as hard and as fast as I possibly can to God? The one that seemingly took everything from me, but was he indeed good? Mm. All the things I'd been taught as a young girl, that he loves me, that he cares for me, that he has plans for me, you know, do, do I trust that? I just had to, I had to surrender. I had to kneel physically, but also like just my internal being, like finally saying, okay, God, I'm done trying to control my life. I'm done being frustrated with you. And I'm going to just surrender and say, I may never understand, but I'm going to trust you. I'm going to go on this pathway. I'm going to run towards you, but I'm going to need you for every breath. Mm, And I'm going to wrestle with 
I'm going to wrestle with this pain. I'm going to wrestle with my anger. That's the tendency in me. But that's really, I feel like when my, um, my healing started. Did you transition to that place? What you just said, Mm -hmm. like where you're like, okay, but I'm going to trust you and I'm going to surrender all in the same night, like within, like on the same side of the mountain. I do feel like I left that hillside different. Mm. I was wounded in my mind and in my heart. I felt God loves me. Mm -hmm. And there was a thought that I did know where James and Scott were. I knew where my dad was. And there is a part of me that was like, eternity is real. Mm -hmm. And am I going to fight that? Like by you know, being angry and mad all the days of my life. Like they're not going to be proud of that. I mean, there was a piece of me that was thinking eternal things. My perspective just like shifted. And I had this, what is this world all about? All the things I was building with my own hands, it could be taken in seconds. What is, what is this about? What does this mean? And so, you know, I just, I think I left that hillside a little bit free, Mm -hmm. but sad you know, just broken. Yeah. Completely broken. Wow. That's unbelievable. Just the transition of both of you going different directions. You're feeling one way and in the same night, it doesn't mean the grief went away or the sadness, Absolutely, but, but just how God met you in that moment is powerful where Holly you're worshiping and then Heather, you're coming off the side of the hill, Mm -hmm. side of the mountain. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just it almost just like your words say a little bit freer, yeah. right? That's, that's incredible to yeah. me. Yeah. Transitioning, you both go through definitely the grief process. Now, Holly, you and Emma, you moved back to Missouri. That's right. To, to stay with Heather. That's right. And because Heather, you moved in well, with your mom. Yeah. We, I think we kind of made that plan. Like all my stuff was in storage because like we were getting ready to go off to seminary in Texas with James. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so my stuff was already in storage. I was like, I guess I'm moving back home. And then Holly and Emma. Yeah. I mean, you've got three widows now. Yeah. In you nine months time. Heather and your mom. That's yeah. right. Mm-hmm. And so it was just like, I need my family. Mm-hmm. And so that's why very quickly, just making plans to get back to Missouri. Um, and so that's what we did. Mm -hmm. And there's lots of stories and miracles (laughs) there, but it's an interesting dynamic for sure. Um, you've got three widows. So there's a lot of grief in that house, um, a lot of heaviness. And, but it's weird when like the worst pain in your life, you're experiencing that, you know, your best friend, your sister is experiencing that same thing. And so it's like, oh, she gets me. And then like, oh, I hate that she gets me. Mm -hmm. Like it's, you feel so torn. Mm -hmm. And then even now, as I look back, now that I'm older, much older, um, I think about our mom Mm -hmm. during that season. I mean, I can't imagine watching two of my oldest daughters going through that. I I can't imagine Mm -hmm. how that must have just ripped her heart to shreds. And so, but we had one another Mm -hmm. and there was strength and beauty in that, but I know for me, the healing process, like you said, the grief doesn't, it didn't just go away. Mm -hmm. And, and just because my initial response was, Lord, you're good. I love you. Mm -hmm. Like you're faithful. Like I'm proclaiming all these things. I had to baby step my trust back with him. And so I just, it took some time for me to want to be in his presence. Um, It took some time for me to open my Bible again 
and just say it. Cause I just, honestly, I didn't want to be comforted by the one who hurt me. And so yeah, that's, totally I mean, so there that. was that. So it's, you mm-hmm. have this kind of weird tension. Mm-hmm. It's like, Lord, I do love you. I do know that you're faithful, but mm-hmm. man, you hurt like that hurt hard. And so you're just, you're trying to, you're wrestling your way back. The subtitle of our book is learning to love the one who gives and takes away. And that's really what that journey was the beginning of Mm -hmm. um, that we had never experienced before. Mm -hmm. So Holly, you had two memorial services, one in New York, one in Vermont um, for Scott. And at one of those, if I remember correctly in your book, you mentioned that you were looking at his casket Mm -hmm. and you just felt like God whispered to you. Yeah. I don't remember much from that day. Um, I remember being gathered around his casket. Lots of people were there. Um, and I just remember, I honestly felt like I was completely alone, but I walked up to his casket. I remember kneeling and, and I was having that internal conversation with the Lord, like, seriously, what now? Like Mm -hmm. we had all these plans, all these dreams, we were serving you. Ministry's over for me is what was going on in my head. Mm. And this may be the second time in my life I felt like I heard an audible voice from the Lord. I'm sure it wasn't audible, but boy, it was to my spirit ears, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, where the Lord did just very quickly respond to my heart and say, Holly, this is not your end. This is a new beginning of your ministry. Mm. And I remember it, it was so loud in what I thought were my physical ears, I literally walked over to um, one of the, my pastors who I grew up with. He was my youth pastor for many years. And, and um, I went over to him and I'm like, I just heard the Lord speak. And, and he said this, and he's like, I heard it and I believe it too. He heard it too. Mm-hmm. So, and I just mm. remember going really, but you know, just of course now I can, I can zoom out now 23 years later and see the Lord was faithful in that promise as well Mm -hmm. in countless ways, Mm -hmm. countless ways. Yeah. I know there's a lot of um, hard moments in there, depression, anger, the, just the waves of grief. Mm -hmm. Right. And then you slowly start to see yourselves come out of that. That's right. Mm -hmm. And so many moments, just healing moments through friends, family, supernatural experiences where he's just saying, Hey, I'm here. Yeah. Um, during the grief and during the healing process that the Lord was beginning, um, we started getting requests from churches all throughout mid-Missouri to come and share our story and also do music. So we were writing our music. We had a live band that traveled with us. And during that time, we were looking for a keyboard player who could play by ear. And so the only name that we kept getting across town was a man named Aaron Snell. So we get his number. I start making calls and he would never take my call. And so I was getting a little annoyed. Um, But finally... There was one Sunday afternoon. I remember telling Heather, it's my last shot. I'm going to give him a call and see what happens. And so I, I make the call and he, he answered it this time. And I was like, because he didn't check caller ID. That's right. That's why. Cause he was watching. <laughs> this, like, I don't know he was in the middle is. of a football game. So he was like, <laughs> not looking. So he just answered the phone. So anyway, we convinced him to come to our next band practice. And so he came, we always had dinner together as a band and then we would do our practicing and it was in our house in our basement. The whole band would come over, we'd work on our music. And so, um, so he came and he was pleasantly surprised 
And as he was, there's a lot more to that story, but I'm <laughs> expediting the story. But anyway, as he's leaving the practice that night, um, one of the guys in the band says, hey, do you know who these girls are? And he goes, well, no, they're the Wall sisters. That's our maiden name is Wall. And so he's like, yeah, but do you know their story? And Aaron goes, no. And so the guy began to share with him all that we'd gone through. And Aaron goes, wait a minute. And then he remembered seeing this on the news, Mm. however many months ago. And he said, I've been praying for these girls. He just couldn't believe that that's who he was with. And so anyway, yeah, he came, he joined the band. We were thankful for him. Mm -hmm. And he brought a lightness of heart to both Heather and I during that season where things always felt heavy. And he was six years younger than me. So he just, there was a little fun immaturity um, that he brought to our mix. (laughs) And just that, again, that brought some energy and laughter. And I think that we, we were missing that male friendship. And so he Mm -hmm. became our friend, our friend. Yeah. Yeah. But then I started liking my friend Mm -hmm. (laughs) and thought, Oh, doggone it. Like I'm going to ruin this thing because he really was becoming one of my best friends. Mm. And I was like, how do I like him? And I'm still grieving my husband. Yeah. Anyway. And you you dealt with some guilt there too, oh, right? Beyond, yes. Because you feel like, is it okay to even be looking at this other person, like interested right? whenever mm-hmm. my husband, like almost, it almost to me, and I have a friend who, who lost her husband and similar, she became interested in someone else. And there's this kind of, you have this internal betrayal, like mm-hmm. you're betraying your husband, but your husband's gone. Yeah. And your husband would want that, you know, want you to have that. And so you dealt with that. Definitely pushing those feelings away. Guilt. Like I should. As long as I could until Heather was annoyed by me continuing to talk about it. And so (laughs) she, she just had one night. She's like, my goodness, you just need to call him and tell him how you feel. And I, but then I also was like, don't leave me. What's going on here? Yeah. This is crazy to me too. Mm -hmm. But I, I loved Aaron, you know, and I. Understood. And so, and you called Aaron Mm -hmm. and you told him how you felt. Yes. And what did he say? (laughs) So I was so nervous. And so I call him and we just spent the whole evening together at church. And so I'm like, I could have told him then, but anyway, here I am. And I'm beginning to say, well, I've developed feelings for you. And so he's quiet on the phone. And then he says these two words, go on. And I thought he must not have heard me correctly. So I repeat it all again. This and is then, so hard on you. I know. Oh and then gosh. he says it again, go on. And I mean, it be, it's, it's a big joke today now uh-huh. that we're married. And so I'll say something like, oh, I love you so much. Go on. He says, <laughs> so it's become a funny thing for us, but yeah. And, and so finally I just like through frustration, I say it louder and, and he broke down. He's like, well, I feel the same way. I mean, he was just giving me a hard time, but, um, it's, I still can't believe he did that, but he did. And, (laughs) but, but truly, I mean, I just remember when the Lord really confirmed this in my heart, like, cause I'm like, Lord, I don't want this. If this is not of you, like, I don't want to go down this path. I don't want to date somebody after I've been married. I don't want to put my daughter through this stuff. And, but I mean, the Lord really did once again, Mm -hmm. speak to my heart and just confirm. He's like, Holly, don't you think I want the best for you? And not only do I want what's best for you, I want what's best for your daughter. Mm-hmm. And Aaron is my best for you. And it's okay. And and while people may not understand this for a while, over time, they're going to see that this is of me. Mm-hmm. So you're just going to have to be okay with that people-pleasing nature that you have and just let it go. Mm-hmm. And just trust that I am in this. Wow. And 
Aaron has truly just blown my mind in in just the beautiful partnership of marriage that he has been to me. Um, even my first daughter now, Emma, who's now 25, we were just talking about that this past week on the phone where she she was even reflecting and like, wow, mom, what an amazing man Aaron has been to you and to me. And mm-hmm. she was saying that. And so praise God mm-hmm. um, just for his work and bringing all of that to pass. And the two of you have two others. That's uh, you right. have two other um, kiddos. How old are they now? Malachi is almost 21 and actually getting ready to be a youth pastor in the church I grew up in. He wow. starts this Sunday. <laughs> and and then our youngest is 16, just started driving. Yeah, she's amazing. Loves Jesus. Wow. Yeah. Now, Heather, it mm-hmm. wasn't that quick for you. You're kind of scared of having a relationship with a true human being because you are sold out to the Lord. You're yes. like, God, you're my husband. Right. And we don't have to go there yeah. because there might be a, a chance of getting hurt. Yeah. And so tell me about this whole deal with Dallas, mm-hmm. um, the gentleman who's in pursuit of you. Right. And your words were you would be drawn to his pursuit, but then you would run away like a scared rabbit. Right. Okay. <laughs> So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, he um, he was such a good friend of mine. And but at the same time, for me, my journey with the Lord, it had been so sweet watching him be everything I needed. And so there was a crucial night where I was in bed and I remember going, you know, I've lost my husband. I lost my father. I've lost my best friend. I've, you know, all those things. And the Lord just quickly was just like, I am. I am everything you need. And so we talk about those anchoring moments. And so that was my anchor. So I'm like, he's my everything. And so it was too out of protection because when you feel that kind of loss, you you don't want to feel it again. Mm-hmm. And so for me personally, I... I did. I was just like, I'm going to, it's just going to be me and God. It's just going to, we're, we're in this together. He's the one that will never leave or forsake me. And so thinking about bringing someone else in, it, it was scary to me, even though we are human, we're made for relationship. We're made for companionship. And so the Lord had other plans for me and that was through Dallas. And so as Dallas was pursuing me and as I was pushing him away and I'm like, he's just a, he's a, this good friend. And everyone's like, oh, he's perfect for you. We could see it. They could could see see it. it. I was like, okay, I'm going to try this. Did I really try? Probably not. And so I remember calling all my family, all my friends. I'm like, I'm, I got to end this because I feel bad for him. I feel like it's just, it's not going to happen. And so he comes over and I remember um, breaking the news to him and he starts to share with me just like, man, I really felt like God was in this. I really felt like I was, I was supposed to pursue you. And even he had called his mom and his, he was like, I feel like I'm supposed to wake up sleeping beauty, which is like Mm. so precious. He said, um, I even, I felt called to, to go to West Plains. I haven't shared this with you. And that's where James grew up and where he was buried. And he went and he didn't know where he was. He didn't know where he was buried or anything, but he found his grave and Mm. he, he felt like he was supposed to go there to, to understand. He knew that if he went there, that the Lord was going to give him a heart for me, like a deeper understanding Mm -hmm. of, of my pain and so that he could love me well. And so he sat and he, he prayed for me there. So here he was hearing like, I'm not. 
I'm not interested. And so he's conflicted and and sad. And I remember like, you know, putting my arm like, oh, poor guy, you know, and I touched his shoulder and it was just like a zing. You know, like, like electricity. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I like, think that, that I had been so guarded. And in that moment, I was letting a little bit of me feel hmm. his your walls care. dropped a little yes. bit in that moment. And you and let so, him in a little yes. bit. Yeah. And so I went and, and all, all of a sudden I was like, what, what am I feeling? Am I, f- I like, I'm, I care about this man. He really does care for me. And like, even seeing him want to understand me was so beautiful mm-hmm. and probably the Lord giving me eyes to see that. Mm-hmm. But I went from, you know, had, I had just called all my friends. I'd been saying, okay, it's over, it's over. And then the next day I'm calling them back going, I think I love him. You it's know? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Very And then whiplash. the rest is history. You got married. Yes. And I'm so, so blessed by, I mean, that the Lord would have him for me truly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something I did not expect, but we have two amazing boys. Um, my oldest, our oldest is 16 and then we have Zachariah and he's 14. And your oldest is Noah. Noah, Noah and Zachariah. That. Yeah. Both yeah. of those names. Yeah. Beautiful. So sweet. So fun. Well, and I also want to add, so both of you have found your husbands, mm-hmm. you know, God has obviously sent them to you. And then also the redemption story in your mom's life, right? Uh, just the struggles she went through and how God has mended her heart in so many ways. Mm. And so tell me a little bit about that. The Lord surprised us all by bringing Bill Carey into our lives. And what's crazy is we grew up with him. He went to our church and now as he has become a father to all of us, we call him pop very mm. lovingly <laughs> and our grandkids love him. I mean, he, he has been the perfect addition to our family. And the way he cares and loves for our mom, he is so faithful to her. Mm-hmm. And it speaks volumes to all of us. So, I mean, he has become just a beautiful addition to the family. And in saying all that, I also want to just express that Heather and I, when we do share and speak and tell of our story, we we don't often talk about how the men have now come into our lives and all that God has done because we don't want there to be any confusion. Um, that it's not the men that made us better. It's not the men that have healed us. We want to be really crystal clear that how we have been healed, continue to be healed is because of our relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And and it's him alone. These These men that have come into our lives are gifts from the Lord. But the Lord himself, that's our treasure. Mm -hmm. And so we just don't ever want to make that mistake. So people don't think, oh, I get it. Of course, they're doing better. They're remarried. No, God is our ultimate companion, Mm -hmm. as Heather mentioned. Mm -hmm. And he he is the thing that's most important to us and has done the healing. The men are incredible gifts from the Lord. We don't want to diminish that either. But it's the Lord himself that's the greatest gift. That's so good. Thank you for saying that and, and clearing that up because you're absolutely right. And I do think in, in our culture, sometimes we do, we think, well, if we can just find a man, mm-hmm. um, that'll solve our problems or help us or, and that's not, men don't 
have that ability. That's not God's plan, right? He wants to be that for us. (laughs) Yeah. And we can't be the answer to a man either. So I I love that you brought that up. And one last question before I let you all go. There's someone listening right now who is walking through a really dark valley. And so what would you say to encourage that person who feels like there is no hope? They can't see a way out. And they're asking those same questions like, why God, where are you? You are not being my protector. I don't trust you right now, what would you say? We know there's probably a lot of people that are in that boat right now who are in the midst of pain in a dry season with the Lord. I'm thinking of someone right now that I spoke with this past week who feels like even the Lord is punishing them Mm. for past mistakes and failures. And they, they feel like they've been rejected by God. And so it may not even just be, I don't see where he is. Where are you, God? Maybe you feel rejected by God because of your, your past sin, but the Lord doesn't operate like that. He's so much bigger, better, stronger than any of those parameters we put on him. What we know is that he is true to his word, which says that he's near the brokenhearted, that he saves the crushed in spirit. And just like Job says, after going through so much loss, he says, before my ears had heard of you, but now, now my eyes have seen you. That's the gift of suffering. That's the gift of pain. We can choose the path like Heather was describing, where it's like, I can choose this one path that looks dark, will ultimately lead to my death, or I'm going to trust you at your word. You can turn things around, just like we see in scripture where Joseph says, with the enemy meant for evil, the Lord has turned for my good. And that has been our story. That is our testimony but it can be all of our testimonies where it seems like we are in these dark places. There's no light to be seen with that. We are in a wilderness, a desert place where it's as dry as it can be, but there can be just a spring of joy and hope that arises from the Lord. It sustains us and gives us life again. You may feel those of you who may be listening and you feel like you were near spiritual death, Mm -hmm. but the Lord says, take a deep breath of my life Mm -hmm. because I'm coming for you. He is a God who pursues. He is a God that heals. He is a God that is near Mm -hmm. and he wants to be known. He desires a close relationship. Mm -hmm. There's a wonderful scripture that Heather and I love to reference where in Psalms, it says, my heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And then it says, my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. Mm -hmm. So if you're listening and maybe you don't feel like you can hear his heart saying, come and spend time with me. Mm -hmm. He is whispering that. So open your ears because he is saying that and let your response be. Maybe if you don't feel like you can run after him, begin to baby step, crawl, do, I mean, army crawl your way back into the Lord's presence, but he is near. Mm-hmm. And I'm also reminded of Asaph where he, in Psalm 73, where he's looking around, he doesn't understand why is everything going good for all the evil people? And look at me, look how good I am, blah, 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 blah. Like we've all been there. Mm-hmm. We can look around and be frustrated about our current mm-hmm. circumstances, but there's this incredible moment where he says, but then I entered the courts of the Lord And my perspective changed where he says this beautiful thing that we, so many of us are familiar with where he says, whom have I in heaven, but you, and though my heart and my flesh may fail, the Lord is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Mm -hmm. Let that be our testimony. Whom have I in heaven, but you Lord, take what you will. You are the one who gives and takes away. Mm -hmm. Blessed be 
the name of the Lord. He is our anchor. He is the thing that we hold on to. When the world feels like it's falling apart, there are plenty of days it feels like it is falling apart. He is an anchor that will hold. Mm -hmm. So cling to him. Mm. And when you don't have the strength to cling, he will hold you. Amen. Amen. It's a powerful word. Thank you, ladies, both, um, just for your courage and bravery. Um, You're definitely in the right place, the brave place. And we're just grateful that you took the time to come share this story with us. I know it's going to bless so many. And if our listeners want to find you online, where's the best place, Heather? If you're on Facebook, you can find us on Dancing on My Ashes. And then you can also find us dancingonmyashes.com. Okay. And that's the name of their book as well, Dancing on My Ashes. And if you want to hear more of Heather and Holly's story in person, you get a chance to do that in Springdale. There is a women's conference. It's called Deserts and Gardens, and they will be there speaking and sharing more of their story. Uh, You can go online to pathforwomenconference.rsvpif as in Frank, y.com. That's the letter Y, pathforwomenconference.rsvpif. I F the letter Y dot com. And again, the theme is deserts and gardens, and you'll get a chance to hear Holly and Heather live and in person. There's so many other details that we didn't even get to cover today that I know will bless you. So thank you again for joining us here at the brave place. And until next time, have a brave day. Thanks for listening to the brave place, part of the KLRC podcast network. 